Good morning, dear saints and blessed epiphany. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. Today is Tuesday, January 9th, and you're listening to the program where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures through which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. Today we pick up where we left off in Paul's letter to the Ephesians with chapter 2. In this section, Paul masterfully lays out profound truths about God's redemptive work. We learn that though we were once dead in our trespasses and sins, God in his great mercy has made us alive together with Christ. We who were once far off, excluded from God's covenant people, have now been brought near through the blood of Jesus. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus, not by works, leaving no room for boasting. A powerful message that, well, Lutherans are very familiar with, but we are also created. We have a new identity as God's workmanship to do good works. Dear friends, thank you for listening, whether it be over the air, online at kfuo.org or on the KFUO app, or maybe even through your favorite podcasting app or smart speaker. No matter how you tune in, I'm just glad you're here. So settle in, open your hearts and your minds. We're about to begin. Thy Strong Word is graciously supported by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF translates, publishes, and distributes books that are Bible-based, Christ-centered, and Reformation-driven. So when you get time, visit lhfmissions.org to learn more. And if you have any questions or comments about today's show, or maybe you just want to say hi, you can email me at pastorboo at gmail.com. I regularly get emails from listeners, and I love hearing where you're from and how Thy Strong Word is part of your devotional life. You can also find me on Facebook, send me a friend request, or send me a message. You can uh, also call in with your comments or questions at 800-730-2727. Well, without any further ado, let me bring in our guest joining us this morning. It's the Reverend John Lukomsky a pastor emeritus and co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on KFUO Radio and a regular contributor to this show. Good morning, Pastor Lukomsky. Happy New Year. Blessed Epiphany. Happy Snow Day, if you have any, but it, we have snow <laughs> up here. How how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm up. I'm up your, your neck of the woods for this particular episode. Uh, we came up to Minnesota to uh, celebrate Christmas with my wife's family and and, uh, you know, but we don't have a lot of snow up here. This is not what we normally would have uh-huh. in Minnesota. You guys are having a pretty mild winter, all things considered. All things considered, yes. But we got about 10 inches here in the southwestern corner uh, yesterday. Oh, oh. oh, I'm so sorry. So, Forgive so me. <laughs> so school was out. They had an e-learning day yesterday. That e-learning uh-huh. day continues today. And, and I mentioned it in the show yesterday, but I just, I love snow days as a kid, right? You get out of you get out of going to school and nowadays they still have assignments they just do on the computer. So they still seem to like them better than going to school. So I guess the kids don't know any better, but sometimes I feel a little bad for them. Well, and, and I, you know, I'd say, here's the thing. I would never have guessed that you guys got 10 inches because we're actually further north than you are. And of course we're mm-hmm. also further, further uh, to the east. And and I'm sorry, we don't have, we don't, we just had a dusting. That's all we got here. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, well, okay. Well, so you got plenty well, of I, snow there. I think the average <laughs> is a good solid seven, but definitely some places, nine, 10. It's, it's, it's pretty wild, but you know, right? they know how to handle it. That's one thing about Minnesota. Oh, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. they'll take care of it in no time. So. 
yeah, they get the roads clear. They get them salted. Uh, like you said, it's not like being down in St. Louis where I live. No, two or three inches there, we just shut down <laughs> right. and wait for it to melt. But by the way, before I forget to, I want to give you a very, very uh, uh, sincere thank you. Uh, I did not know that you were a woodworker. Uh, uh, Andy, uh, through you, it gave me this this beautiful uh, hand-tooled uh, 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 ink pen. Uh, and it's just it's just marvelous. My goodness, you are a man of many talents. Well, you know, my dad says that as you get older, uh, you know, it's it's good to find a hobby. It's good to be yeah. doing something other than just work. So I took up pen turning, and that's pretty much exclusively what I do. I do some other wood turning too, but yeah. I took that up a couple of years ago when I moved here to Minnesota or back to Minnesota, and within like a couple of weeks. I I had messed it up. I completely shattered the bone in my hands <laughs> using it. Went to the oh, ER. No. It was awful. Oh, but I've wow. gotten much better since then. Well, I hope <laughs> and, so. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love working, uh, making pens because they're useful, but also because I got to, I made yours out of that. Um, um, yeah, olive wood from from Yeah, uh, olive wood from, from Bethlehem. From Bethlehem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, they trim the olive trees there, and then they sell the cutoffs to people like me. Well, anyway, I'm delighted that you like it. I was very delighted that uh, that uh, Andy wanted to get some of those, so I was, well, I was happy for that. It just it was a total surprise, and it just made my day. Uh, so again, thank you, thank you very much. All right. Well, I tell you what. What else uh, has your season been like? You know, we had Christmas, and we had the 12 days of Christmas on KFUO, so we had a kind of a deserved break. At least I felt like I uh, enjoyed that break more oh, than yeah. maybe I would have. But uh, I'm glad. I'm so happy to be back. But how, how was your, uh, you said you were with your wife, uh, but how, how were things going? Well, you, you know, you wouldn't want to give my troubles to a monkey on a rock. I, I just right before Christmas, I had a stress test that I failed. And so I now have to admit that I have heart disease. Well, I had a heart attack four years ago, oh. so that should have been pretty apparent. But now when we get back from uh, being up here in Minnesota, they're going to do a, an angiogram and probably an angioplasty. And, oh, don't get me started because that's just half of it. I've got problems with my esophagus and they want to do a high little hernia surgery. And it's 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 no fun getting old. <laughs> yeah, I've heard okay. that people don't necessarily recommend it. So we'll see. No. We'll see. Well, actually, you know, the option, though, there's no other option. You don't want the alternative. That's for sure. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But, you know, the Lord yeah. gets to decide. Well, gosh, brother, I hope that uh, that continues to be treated well. Well, I'll tell you what, let's dive in yeah. uh, before yeah. we start uh, talking, you know, swapping war stories about surgeries and ailments. <laughs> so why don't you lead us in a word of prayer? Well, Lord, you know, uh, we, we're not the only ones that struggle with the physical disabilities of this life. I know there's a lot of our listeners who who probably would say, oh, you got nothing to talk about. You should hear my story. Uh, but we do know that you're a God of grace and mercy, a God who does bring healing and a God who, yeah, sooner or later, you're going to take all of us home. And, and that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing, oh Lord. So help us all to to realize that it's only going to get better. And we pray that you give us the strength to continue to love and care and to do the things you've given us to do in this world, despite the, the disabilities of our flesh. May, may these words that you've given us today be a source of hope and comfort for all of our listeners, because they are just about as good as you can get in the Bible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I know better now than to even start anywhere. I'm just going to ask you, where would you <laughs> like to start? Because if I start, you'll be like, oh, that's great, but here's what I really want to do. So I tell you what, 
Um, our text today begins with the word and, so that means yeah. we probably should recap some stuff. Let's 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 build it up so that we can get into our word today. What, what do you want to talk about? Well, I, I tell you what. So so you're right. You, you have the word and, and 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 God's going to lay out for us what it was like for the people He was talking to, which are, are primarily the Gentiles here in, 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 in Ephesus. And, and it dawned on me that I don't know that we can truly appreciate the contrast that Paul is going to provide between what life used to be like for these Gentiles and what life is like now for these Gentiles because of Jesus Christ. Because you know what? I, see, I don't know, I don't know your, your background all that well, Pastor Boo, but I ha, I've never known what it's like to be pagan. I've never known what it's like to live with a, a, a pagan society. I, I was a Christian. I was baptized uh, as a baby. I, I grew up in a Christian family. I, I lived in a Christian community. I've been raised in a Christian nation. Uh, and, and as we hear these things that Paul's going to say in these opening verses, uh, pagan society is something totally different. And I don't know if many of our listeners really can appreciate what a difference it is that Christ has made to us individually and also to our our, our families and, and certainly to our nation as well. Um I mean, we can see the differences. We hear about the horrible things that are going on over, say, in, in, in Gaza between Hamas and, and, and Israel. We hear about the horrible things that are going on in the Ukraine uh, with Putin and, and, and his invasion. Um, and, and we see those as anomalies. But, but the fact of the matter is, if, if you take Christ out of the world, that, that's the way it is. These horrible, yeah. terrible things, that they're, they're the normal thing. They're, they're not the unusual thing. But, but, but we've lived. We've lived in an area, at least, that was, was predominantly Christian. And, and it, it, it's been different because of that. But would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, looking back on my own life, I grew up in a Christian household, so there was really never a point at which I would say that I wasn't a Christian or influenced by, uh, by Christianity. But, you know, as the world gets smaller and people are so unabashed about putting their whole lives out there, like on social media and YouTube and stuff, it doesn't take long looking at to say the people who are living without Christ live different lives. It is. And I'm not just talking about, well, perhaps they they cuss a little more or whatever. No, I'm, I, I'm talking about their whole worldview. Everything is so different. Uh, and, and in Christ, it does. It changes everything about the trajectory of the world. Like even when we were joking, you know, obviously death is a punishment for sin. It's not something that we want, but it's also something we don't have to fear. But for those without Christ, I, I can't even imagine what that's like. Well, and, 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 so, and so right now I know the atheists who listen to us, <laughs> if there are any atheists listening to us, and they're saying, but what, what about all these, these wars that, that Christians cause and uh, that come from religion? And, 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 of course, you and I would acknowledge, look, we know that in the visible church that there's all kinds of hypocrites. In, in fact, anybody who followed the, the uh, what, what is that, an international uh, lectionary, you know, the, the set of lessons that, that a lot of churches read on a given Sunday. We just had a whole bunch of parables that remind us, yeah, there's a lot of hypocrites in the church. Not much we can do about it at this point, but but in the end, Jesus is going to come, and there there will be the virgins who will say, let us in, and he'll say, I don't even know who you are. 
Uh, and so sometimes the hypocrites take control of the visible church, and sometimes they do things. But but anybody who knows what Jesus teaches would say, no, that's not what Christianity is. That's not what should have been done. The, 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 the more tragic thing is, for all of us who are listening right now, is as we go through these opening verses, these are the things that we struggle with. This this, this devil, this world, this, this lust and desire of the flesh. Yeah, that's in all of us too. And sometimes when we forget that we cannot do any good thing apart from Christ, that he's the vine and we're just the branches, we do that stuff too. We sin too. Uh, and if, even even if we haven't done it outwardly, it's going on inside of us, and we're aware of that, which is why we repent daily. But but the fact of the matter is, no. No, you take Christ out of this world. You take the prayers of the church for peace out of this world. You think it's bad now. You ain't seen nothing yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just want to preface that because Paul provides this great contrast between what life is like without Jesus and what life is like with Jesus and I don't know that sometimes as Christians we truly appreciate that because we've never experienced what these people in Ephesus have experienced. We've never experienced what it's like to be in a society that is totally, completely pagan. Yeah. Now, and, and I'm going to not push back. I'm going to agree with you wholeheartedly, but I would add that I really do see society not progressing but regressing oh, yeah. back to the way it was before Christianity had all this influence. And so I would say in 50 years, maybe less, maybe a little more, <laughs> it is going to be very much like the, well, the the time of, of Paul. But you're right. He talks, he starts, and I'm just going to read the first three verses, yeah. but he starts talking about, you know, walking in trespasses and sins. We all do that. We could all appreciate that. But as you're saying, these first generation Christians they're coming, most of them are coming as adults into the faith from pagan, sometimes faithful pagan lifestyles, so to speak. Uh, and it's, it's different for them. So anyway, let's, let's get into it. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Paul writes, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and we were, by nature, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Now, I don't want to read any more, but folks, don't worry. Verse 4 begins with a but. (laughs) But God, (laughs) so we're going to get to the good stuff. But yeah, just starting here, yeah, I mean, he's reminding them, and frankly us, that by our fallen natures, we're sinful. So, so I, it occurred to me. I guess we're zombies, aren't we? Because we're dead, and yet we're walking. <laughs> yeah, no, that's. I mean, it's a good way to put it because if it, it's it's like, um, you know, I think of uh, Night of the Living Dead, which is you know one of the first kind of zombie movies, sort of set oh, the yeah, rules yeah. for zombies, and and they're very focused on one thing, you know, sustenance, you know, trying to attack and eat brains or whatever, not to be graphic, but but. That's what it's like living in the world without focus or hope or without Christ. You know, what are you working for? I mean, certainly to do good works. God does good works through even unbelievers. But that's sort of aside. You're working toward death. You're working toward annihilation. I mean, if you're dead in your sins and trespasses, it's not going to get any better in the next life. So it's very much like being a zombie. And, 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 and so the interesting thing is, is, is so all, all you're working for is whatever satisfies you. 
right? That's zombies mm-hmm. are single-minded, what will satisfy them. And here, here's the really tragic thing. So even the good works they're doing, they're not doing to benefit other people or to really give glory to God. But even the good works they're doing are just for them, right? So that they can get some kind of reward. So they can get some kind of benefit out of it. It's all very, very self-centered. Um, the thing that is just a couple things about the words here that we should point out. For some reason, I don't know why the English, and I checked it out in several translations, that they all say we're following the course of this world. And, and the word actually there is eon. Uh, in the Greek, which is an English word too. It, it's like a time mm. period. Uh, and, and I want to emphasize that because now when we get to the but part, the, the part where God comes in, that same word is going to be used by Paul again, but only now it's a totally different kind of eon. So it's just a shame that we kind of miss some of the, the language play that Paul is doing that. But 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 as you say, here's the thing. So 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 we, we are we're dead in trespasses and sins because we're not walking in the way that God provides but we're walking in the way the world provides, okay? And we're following that. I like that. We're following the course of the world. We're following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So that obviously is the devil. And finally, what do we have? We're, we're living in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of, and again, I don't know why the English puts the word body in there, because it's actually just the same word again, uh, the passions of our flesh, the desires of the flesh and the mind, uh, uh, and, and there's the three things that we talk about all the time as Christians, right? The, the devil, the world, and our flesh. That, those are the things that lead to death. Uh, those are the things that lead to to us being, and I love it, we're the technon. So we're, we're the personal children of wrath, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I'm thinking I don't want to be. I, I want to be somebody's child, but I don't want to be wrath's child. And, and that's our situation, as is with everybody else, Paul says in those first three verses. And it's really important. I ho- It's hard for us to believe as Christians. Please, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, because it's so hard for us to believe it. But may you help us believe that's the way we are. If we were not baptized, if we did not have Jesus Christ, this is exactly the way we are. And we continue to wrestle with those things day in and day out. There's not a day that goes by that I do not feel lust, that I do not feel selfishness, and that sometimes, man, and I hate it, but I feel doubt about my God's concern for me. Uh, just like the disciples, I say, don't you care if I'm perishing or not? You know, that's, I, you know, I, I know you said I don't need to worry about death. And thank you for reminding me of that. But but right now with this whole heart thing coming up, yeah, I'm worried. <laughs> no, and I'm and, thinking, and right, and do you not so. care if I perish? Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, and rightly so. And you're absolutely right. You know, we don't want to diminish it. And, and this is the careful balance we walk as pastors, too, yeah. when we are encouraging those who either are facing the end or have lost loved ones. We don't want to diminish it while also reminding them of the hope we have in, in Jesus. It's tough. It's tough. I, I want to pick up want to pick up on the phrase, we were by nature children of wrath. You, you had already obviously hit on this, but this by nature part, uh, this leads people into a couple of different directions I've found over the years, and that is those who think that meaning by nature God created us to be sinful, or they imply that, that if there were a God, didn't he create us to be sinful? So I think it's important, even though Paul doesn't say it, that we emphasize this is our fallen natures, you know, our true human natures, which we're, will be restored perfectly in the new heavens and new earth. 
that is not us being children of wrath, but in our fallen nature, we are. And then that brings up the other thing about today, a lot of people look to themselves, they look deep inside, and they want to justify their ungodly activities, behaviors, beliefs by saying they were born that way. That's just part of their nature, or it's human nature, or it's natural. But but we, I have to remind them in gentleness and love that natural is also some of the sins you mentioned that that we do. You know, everybody has to resist those natural fallen sinful urges and inclinations. It's by nature, not by God's design, but by our fallen nature that we're children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, he adds. And 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 yeah, yeah right, because the word there actually means the circumstances that come from your birth. But but see, as you've said, if we know the story, when God created us, Adam and Eve, no, they were perfect in all things. But unfortunately, they fell into sin. And now, as David says, you know, I was born in sin and conceived in iniquity. That's that's how it is for us. But what we're going to hear in the next few verses is the fact that it doesn't have to be that way. So no, you can't just excuse yourself and say, well, I'm just, you know, the devil made me do it, or I was born <laughs> a sinner. No, no, because God has clearly said there's a di- different way. In fact, God has looked at our circumstances and said, you know what? Because here's what I would do if I were God. I'd look at our circumstances. I would look at these people dead in the trespasses and sin and say, ah, oh, well, just forget them. <laughs> Why bother, right? You know, right. there's no, but no, see, as we're going to hear in the next verses, God looks at the situation and says, you know what? I'm going to save those people. So that's the thing. Everyone out there who's wrestling with sin, you need to understand God wants and can save you. That's what he wants to do. So quit just saying, well, I can't do anything about it. You're right. You can't do anything, but God can. And we're going to see that in the next few verses. Well, let's see it right now, starting with verse four. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Right, so let's pause there at the end of seven. So, yeah, so, but God, right? And I think that's just amazing anyway, because here he starts off, this is a very Lutheran passage here, right? He starts off with the oh, law. Yeah. You know, you're you're dead, you're sinners, you walked after this world, you worship the powers of the air, but God. And that's that's amazing. Not us, not but you figured it out and turned it around, but God out of his mercy, his love with, with, with which he loved us. That's amazing. And, and 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 it's so important that you have those opening verses, though, because the rest of this will not make any sense until you realize that, yeah, this is the way we are by nature. This is how all of us were born. We were born dead in our trespasses and in our sins. We're following the world. Uh, we follow the devil. We, we Our flesh is what—and and then you've got this—and um, and what a contrast. So, so look at the words that are here describing God. Uh, and again, as, as he says— this is what he does for those that are dead in their trespasses. So it's not like he looked down and said, well, you know, there's some fairly decent people. You know, that Pastor <laughs> Boo and that Pastor Lekomsky, they're fairly decent people. I think maybe we can work with them. No, it was precisely <laughs> the people who were dead in their trespasses, okay? And, and, and what does he do? He shows them mercy, and not just mercy, but he's rich. 
He's rich in his mercy. And he shows them, what are the words here? He shows them love. And it's not just love. It's mega love. It's great love. Uh, he, he makes us alive. We who were dead. Uh, it's by grace. Uh, and, and there's a whole series of, of, of sin words, not sin in terms of doing something wrong, but, but sin like in synthesis, right? When you combine things together and you, you join them, we call that a, 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 a synthesis. Synthetic fabric is, again, where we've taken different materials and put them together. And, and these sin words in the Greek are that, that we're raised up with him. We're, we're seated with him. We're alive together with him. See, the emphasis over and over again is this is because of Jesus. If you didn't have Jesus, none of this would be true, but we do have Jesus. And, and therefore, we have the riches of his grace again in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's the thing. It's like Paul is just, I don't want to say hammering us with it because don't you don't want to hammer people with Jesus. But but isn't that isn't that the emphasis here? What a difference Christ makes to those who were dead in their trespasses and sins. Now we're alive. We're seated with Him in heavenly places. Well, it's just marvelous, isn't it? Just overwhelming. Oh, absolutely. And you know, and it takes us back to that conversation you brought up with the atheist out in the audience. You know, you guys tell us, and again, we're eager to talk with you, so we're not we don't have a problem with that. But we keep getting told well, you're hypocrites or you're sinners or you do sin still or you're not perfect. We know. I mean, that's that's not a surprise to any of us. It's literally the purpose of the church. So I remember attending an an evangelism workshop once and we were dealing with things that people would say. And and, and I remember, uh, you know, so they were doing this uh, role play and and the people that were being visited said, well, you know, the church is just a bunch of hypocrites. And I can remember the, the, the person who was playing the pastor saying, well, yeah, and we could always use a couple more. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. There's plenty of room. Oh, but but you know, and it's not that we revel in our sin, and I think sometimes no. that is the opposite side. But it is that we revel in Christ. You know, it, Luther talked pretty loosely about this, but he did it in a way that people could understand, and that is, you know, thank God you're a sinner because Christ came for sinners. Hmm. You know, it, he can be parsed to make him say things he didn't. But the point was, whenever we are. I guess, worried about our condition because of our sin, it should draw us to Christ. It should. But I I wanted to say, as we read this now, he says, by grace, you have been saved, raised up with him, seated us with him, all that with him language, which is great. It continues from the first chapter. But then it says, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. You already know this, I'm sure, but that word ages is the same word for course up there. Yes, it's it's aeon, eon, yeah, yep. aeon, I guess in Greek. But yeah, it, it, it's the same thing. I mean, this idea that the course of the world is going one direction, but in the coming eons, he's going to show us the immeasurable riches of his grace toward us in Christ Jesus. He has already done that, but of course, becomes into its fullest, I guess its fullest moment at the at the parousia, at the return. And and so you've got you've got these two different two different ways. Uh, the, the one is the way of the world, the devil and our flesh, which which begins in death and ends in death. That's all there is to it. And then you've got this other way, this other aeon, uh, however you would say it in the Greek, that 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 will lead you to the, the the immeasurable riches of the grace of kindness towards us in Christ, which I think is interesting. 
Uh, because I think a lot of people think, oh, Christian, this is all about going to heaven, you know, pie in the sky, by and by. And, and, and of course, we believe in heaven. Thank heavens for that. Man, this would be a really terrible world if there isn't something beyond this. Right. But actually, what, what, what we're most concerned about is having this relationship with God that is a God of love, of knowing that he has compassion and mercy and kindness and care for us. And, and you know what? If, if I had to go to hell to have that, I'd go to hell. Okay, now yeah, I'm not going I mean, to hell, but, no, but I mean God. that's what that's what it is for us. We, we're not in this because we want to get the reward of going to heaven. See, that's that's back into paganism that we do things mm-hmm. for the rewards we get. What what we're doing is because we know we have this relationship with a God, and, and because He loves us, we want to love, and, and we just want to be with Him. And wherever He's at, that's fine with us. We're not happy, as you said. I'm not happy to be worried. It bothers me. I repent of that because I know I shouldn't be doing that. That's my sinful flesh. But thank you for the reminder that I have this God who loves and cares for me. And he's always going to be there. He's never going to leave me. That'll never happen. Uh, and even death isn't going to stop that because, as you said, we've got it. We're going to be seated with him. We are seated with him. Isn't that remarkable? It doesn't say we're going to be. We are seated with him. Well, a- anyway, then we get to the two big verses then that come after that. But That's uh, right, and we're going to save those till we get back okay, from our break. Good. All right, so folks, don't go anywhere in just a few moments when we return. We're going to pick up those extremely famous verses among Lutheran circles anyway of Ephesians 2. See you on the other side. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo. With me today is the Reverend John Lukomsky, Pastor Emeritus and co-host of Wrestling with the Basics, also here on KFUO. Don't forget, you can contact me at PastorBoo at gmail.com, on Facebook, or by phone right now, 800-730-2727. All right, Pastor, before the break, you know, we were, I I was kind of biding time a little bit because I wanted to come back and tackle verses 8 and 9 and 10, which we often leave off of Ephesians 2. And so let's do it right now, uh, starting with verse 8. Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, so pausing there, you know, it, it's bringing up a little bit of the predestination talk that we, we we discussed yesterday, talking about preparing beforehand, but it doesn't change 
the meaning of the fact that we're saved by grace, but I do notice we kind of leave off the created in Christ Jesus for good works when we're quoting this, because that really goes hand in hand. Our good works don't save us, but now that we've been saved, well, what else is there to do but to do good works, to serve God by loving our neighbor? And and, and it's interesting uh, because, you know, it's the same word there, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's verse 9. And then he turns around and says, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Uh, uh, so, I mean, and, and again, because we are those that are born dead in our trespasses and sin, we, we, we hear the gospel and we think, oh, well, that's great that I don't need to do anything. <laughs> of course, because <laughs> right. we're sinners. That, that's the conclusion we draw. Uh, but of course, no, that, that's not the point. Uh, the point is, is that, that once this faith thing kicks in, well, in fact, here's the interesting thing. I would, I would argue that until you have faith, you actually don't do any truly good works in the sight of God. Now, now as you said earlier, you, you probably do some good works in the sight of men. I'm, I'm sure when you do kind things for people, they, they would call that a good work. But, but apart from this faith, um, no, it's, it's not good in the eyes of God. In fact, I believe that's what the Bible says, uh, because then you're doing good works for one of two reasons. You're either doing it because you're scared. You're scared that God's going to punish you if you don't. Are you doing them again, as we said earlier, because you want some reward from it? Uh, do you have kids? You have kids. You have kids, don't you, Pastor? Oh yeah, Luke? I got I got two of them. Yeah, how old are old they? And a sixteen. I have a twelve year old daughter and a sixteen year old son. Okay, so so you're you know what I'm talking about because I, I I I have grandkids now. My my other kids are all grown up. They're all adults. But I remember when they were that age, 12 and 16, they would do some. They would do something because I said, well, you know, if you do it, we'll go out for ice cream. Or I would say, if you don't make your bed, <laughs> you're grounded. And they would do it. They would do it. But that never made me happy. I wanted to wake up and, oh, your bed's made already? Would you? Well, Dad, I just wanted to do that. You, you, you <laughs> love me and care for me. And, and so that's, that's the thing. And now we know this, right. this kindness, this mercy, all these things that Paul has emphasized, that's faith. And so now, yeah, that there are good works. And the crazy thing is, we didn't think up these good works, even that. We didn't even do that much of it. No, these were things that, that God had prepared beforehand. And, and, and so now as a Christian, I'm doing good works all the time. I, I get up and, and I hug my wife, and I'm sure people hug their wives all over the world. But I know that's a good work. That's the work that God prepared beforehand for me to do, that I should walk in to just love and care for my wife. Now, of course, I'm a sinner, and so sometimes I don't do that. <laughs> and if my wife were here, she would probably point that out. <laughs> That's but, right. Well, but we don't it, do it perfectly, it, but right. No, no. But but you see what I'm saying? Actually, now as mm -hmm. Christians, everything we're doing, I, I don't care what your job is, whatever your job, whatever your vocation, that's a good work that God prepared beforehand for you to do. Here's how I've always talked about it, and, 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 and feel free to you know correct me if you don't think it's right on, but— I, you know, Isaiah says all of our works are like filthy menstrual garments. Mm. And, of course, yeah. that in the context of the Old Testament purity laws makes it even worse. Now, when we do good works, I see that, you know, I can go out and I can feed the hungry and I can clothe the naked and I can help the poor. A, a non-believer can do those same things. And, in fact, they do do those same things. So what's the difference? Well, here's taking into consideration Isaiah saying that even our good works are sinful – I think the difference between the Christian and the unbeliever is that the Christian's good works are forgiven. 
Like we do, we do them in a state of forgiveness. We don't merit salvation for them. God's using us just like he uses the unbeliever, but we do them in a, in a state of forgiveness. And therefore there are rewards in heaven for the life you live. Not salvation isn't one of those rewards, but the Bible does speak of rewards. And now that's not our motivation, but it's assuring to us to know that God does pay attention to the sacrifices we make, the good works we do. Those things are important. And as you said, another reason why we don't take credit for it is because God's the one who does all that working through us. He works through us, through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works through that atheist brain surgeon or cardiologist to do the good works to help, say, you or me. You know, he, he does those things through others. So we don't get credit, but they do benefit the world and they benefit us because things tend to go better when we live how God wants us to live. So, so man, you, you've made a great point there. Forgiveness, forgiveness. Because uh, I just alluded, I, I, I love my wife and, and I do a lot of good and kind things for her. I think she, she'd say she probably wants to keep me around. But, but see, you're right too. Uh, not always, not always. Sometimes I get impatient with her. Sometimes I get angry with her. So, so if it's going to be about my works, eh, maybe a 50-50 deal is good, maybe 70-30, but it's still not going to be what it should be, right? Because be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, Jesus says. So you're right. It's this Jesus, this forgiveness that changes everything because now that, that, that simple stuff, that, that's gone. That's paid for. That's taken care of. And, and isn't it wonderful because my wife treats me with that same forgiveness. Right. And where does she right. get that from? How could she tolerate a guy like me with forgiveness? Again, it doesn't come from her because I'm sure she gets irritated with me too. But it comes again from from Jesus, from the forgiveness that, that she knows. In fact, every night, every night she prays, God, forgive me for my sins. And I often wonder, I wonder what sins you're asking for him to forgive. But I, I won't <laughs> ask. I'm just grateful that God has forgiven you and forgiven me. Can I, one more thing I want to say before, yeah. before we move on with this, because uh, this is something that didn't come from me, but really I found hel helpful. It came from, from my professor, Dr. Nagel. This business about by grace you've been saved through faith. Uh, and you're talking about the dangers of how this is misinterpreted. So we got mm. the danger that you might say, oh, well, I, I have God's forgiveness, so I don't need to do anything. I, I think one of the other dangers is we hear that word faith and we think, oh, okay, so there's the thing I need to do. All right, thank you, Paul. I knew at some point you'd tell me what I need to do. But right. but, but I, 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 one of the things Nagel said that was so helpful, he said, you haven't got faith right unless you can substitute the word Jesus. Mm. And, and if you've spoken correctly and thought correctly, you should be able to just inter, interchange the word Jesus and the word faith. And that's it, isn't it? For by grace, you have been saved through through Jesus. Uh, and that's what Paul's been saying over and over again in these opening verses here of chapter two. So, so just remember that you just you have Christ, you have his kindness, you have his love, you have his forgiveness, as you you pointed out. And, and then it'll be okay. Then, then you will do the good works. God's got them all ready for you. Um, and, and I did appreciate, by the way, fact, too, because I think we forget that, like you say, even the unbelievers God uses. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, but the difference, he uses them as his slaves. Uh, and, and for us, uh, he uses our works as, as children, children who right. do the things they do because we, we want to, because we're changed. There, there's something inside of us that beyond just the, the desire of the flesh. Uh, that desire is still there, but there's this new person, this new creature there too. 
I want to talk a little bit, since you went back to it, about the whole oh. through faith, because, yeah. yeah, this idea of, well, it's my act to believe. And now, growing up uh, in an Arminian tradition like the Southern Baptist, you know, you made a decision for Christ. I, I grew up listening to sermons that were very good for the most part, talking about how it's all Christ's work. Christ has done everything that, you know, you're saved by by grace. It's not your own doing. And then at the very end, they'll say, you know, Christ has done everything you need for your salvation. Now, all you have to do is give your heart to Jesus. All you have to do is say the sinner's prayer. Now, we could be very critical of our of our Baptist friends on that. But then when you talk with them, nine out of 10 of them will say, of course, it was the Holy Spirit that moved me to make that decision. Of course, it was God who enlivened the faith in me. So we as Lutherans might say, well, taking that next step is just trying to take credit from God. But but that's what we say. It's like instead of saying, well, hey, you need to make this sort of contractual decision or covenantal you know, uh, agreement with God to be saved, you just ask the question, do you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for you and rose from the dead? And then they go, yeah, I guess I do. Well, it's done. You know, that, that's faith. That was given to you. It's a gift. You're saved through that faith. So when we examine our hearts or confess with our mouths or believe in our hearts, as the Bible says, that is us just expressing a gift that we have been given from God. So when we take credit for it, all it does is give us more opportunity to doubt it, right? Because we do struggle with sin. Did I say it right? Did I say the right prayer? You know, did I get baptized the right way? All of those things can become obstacles to the the free gift of grace that God wants you to give or wants to give you. And 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 you know I, I really appreciate you you bringing that up because that's just what the passage said, didn't it? You're by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own mm-hmm. doing. It yeah, is the gift exactly. of God. It's just as plain as day it could be there. And, and I appreciate what you're saying too because it is so important that, that we understand. No, no, no. You're not doing faith. Faith is what God gives you. Uh, but I do think, as you said, we need to be careful because I suspect probably most of our Baptist brethren, people come out of that, if if you would actually probe them, they that that is actually what they believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just sometimes it's not expressed as clearly as it should be, and 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 I'm not I'm not denying that that's a problem because as you just got through said, as soon as we bring anything that we do into it, it just brings us doubt. Have I got enough faith? Is my faith strong enough? Is my faith sincere enough? And man, you got to remember what Jesus said. You know what, guys? That's not the issue. If you had faith as little as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be lifted up and it would be moved. No, right. no, you're missing the point. Uh, no, it's just Jesus. And you got Jesus, don't you? Isn't that what the Bible clearly says? We have the kindness, the love, uh, uh, the grace. That's what we have. All right. And it's immeasurable, he says. So. Well, in this next section, which we should uh, definitely tackle as we're running yeah. out of time, uh, you know, it, Paul goes a little more broad in his, in the scope, right, of God's reconciliation. Now he's going to be talking about sort of all of humanity, Jews and non-Jews. This is a mystery. We're going to look at it right now. I'm just going to go ahead and read the rest of the chapter, 11 through verse 22. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh— called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope 
and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in the one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. All right, that's it. And in true Pauline fashion, that's only about three sentences. He loves those <laughs> run-on sentences. But uh, and you know why? And I mentioned this yesterday too, but I thought about it. I just think Paul's excited. I just think he he's just oh, yeah. so energized by the gospel. It's just a lot of parentheticals as he's wanting to get it all out there. It's very encouraging to me. But anyway, here he's talking about Gentiles versus Israelites or Jews and how that is not a thing anymore because of Jesus. And and see, it actually directly relates to what we just got through talking about. Uh, this whole business about uh, dead and trespasses, alive in Christ, uh, this, this conflict, that this is a reality. And now Paul's dealing with a, a very real situation that the church is wrestling with. The fact that Gentiles and Jews, that they hate each other. In fact, uh, Paul has come from Caesarea, and, and, and they're actually at war. The Gentiles and Jews are fighting each other. He uses the word hostility uh, in this text. And, and that's not figurative. That's a reality. And, and now how is the church going to deal with this? How is the church going to respond? It's a very, very real issue. So, so these things we've been talking about, this, this violence that we're experiencing, that we see in the world around us, it's a real thing for Paul. And, and, and what does this mean? Oh, we're saved by faith. Well, it, it, it has to have some kind of practical impact. And so now he's trying to help them understand this is the practical impact it means for the hostility, the divisions that you have as, as, as Jews and as Gentiles. If I could share with you just one word thing here, because I always love it when I learn something new. And I, I learned something new as I was studying this, this language that you are no longer strangers and aliens. And I thought, why does he use those two terms? Well, well the word stranger there, that, that, that's the Gentile term, that, that's xenos. Uh, and, and if you're a Greek, uh, a Xenos is, is a guy who, who is a foreigner. He can't speak Greek, and therefore he can't be part of your culture. He can't be part of your politics. He can't be part of your society. He's a barbarian. That, that's what they would call They call barbarians. So he's somebody that's separated and, and distant for you. And, and for the Jews, it's the word alien. And, and in the ESV, there's a footnote saying it should be sojourner. And that's a word that the Jews are familiar with. See, that's a term for them, for the guy that's not part of their family, not part of their group. And, and, and Paul's saying, look, I, you, you were both outsiders. You were strangers uh, as Gentiles. You were, uh, you were sojourners in, in, in Judaism. But now, now you're fellow citizens. You're, you're saints. You're members of the household of God. 
And so I love these verses because it's Paul trying to take what we might think is just an abstract concept. Oh, yeah, we were born uh, are dead in, in sin and trespasses, alive in Christ. Well, now this is what this means, that, that you can't be opposed to each other because the blood of Christ has brought you near. He's our peace and all these, uh, the broken down, the, the wall of hostility, all of this stuff that you find in these verses. It's the, it's the natural consequence of knowing about the mercy and kindness and love of God and Jesus. Now, I'm just contemplating what you said. Now, I've always thought this as both strangers and aliens being kind of two different things saying the same thing to talk about the Gentiles being wrapped up. But, yeah, considering what you said, you know, he says, so then y'all are, that's plural, the you, so then you are, so y'all are no longer strangers, that is people outside the community, and aliens, that is people who are outside the community but temporarily living in the community, sojourners, walking, you know, passing through. But now y'all are, or you are, you know, plural, fellow citizens with the saints. I think it could go either way, but that explanation makes a lot of sense because he's been making this argument about how they're one. And now as he gets towards the end of the argument, he combines them together, as you just said, and says, hey, both of you were in the same position. You know, even even the chosen people of Israel uh, in the Old Testament and going into the first century, what are they? They're chosen. That's passive. God chose them. They were outsiders, too. So I, I think, it, yeah, I think that's a beautiful way to understand that. And and the sojourner there, of course, if you're a Jew, that's going to strike home because, you know, that's what God said in the Old Testament. He said, you know, you have to have really special regard to the sojourner because, you know, you were sojourners in Egypt, see? So if anybody should have sympathy for sojourners, you who were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, you should be sympathetic. And, and, and so, yeah, I think... Uh, I, I think he is. He's appealing, knowing the background of both of these groups and saying, look, in your history, but it's not that way anymore. So, and how important it is for us as Christians today to remember that, because, you know, we were just talking about that. Those Baptists, I don't know about those Baptists, you know. Uh, and, and of course, we, we want to be concerned that people understand it's all the gift of God. But on the other hand, man, we really need to love each other as Christians, despite the divisions we have, right? And we should be seeking to find true unity, not just a, a outward unity, but a unity. And so, oh, well, anyway, uh, it's there's, there's all kinds of things in this text that we should talk about, I suppose, mm-hmm. too. Well, uh, you know, I, but just picking up with your idea of yeah. unity, where does that unity come from? It, it's in that yeah. same passage as we continue. You're now fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on what? the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now, that's fascinating to me because there are many, especially in today's modern world, even believers who say, well, apostles and prophets, uh, not so much. But Jesus, I definitely want to be on the foundation of. But that's not what Paul says. Paul lifts up, and rightly so, the prophets, the apostles. It's just shorthand for talking about the scriptures, but still, he's saying Christ is establishing a church. It is made up of people. To our atheist friends out there, yes, fallen, flawed people. But with Christ being the cornerstone that keeps everything in plumb, then that's when, of course, you get to be joined together and growing into a holy temple. So while the church is not perfect because of the humans that God has put in place to run it, it is still God's desire that there be a church. 
established on the written word and 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 proclaimed by real people. And and I, I really appreciate that that foundation of them because because I you can how do you know Jesus? You can't know Jesus apart right. from the Word of God. It's not something you make up in your mind that this is what Jesus is like or this is what I think Jesus should be. No, you cannot do that. You know, we have to know and, what he is. We have to know what he's like. And you cannot know that apart from the Old Testament, which is the prophets, and the New Testament, which is the apostles. Uh, and and yet the there are Christians and churches out there who are saying <laughs> things like, the Old Testament doesn't have anything to do with us today, and the Apostle Paul is was— was a, a bigot and we shouldn't listen to him and we should only read the stuff in red. And, you know, people are picking and choosing. Now, I realize that's sinful human nature. We've already talked about that, but that's not how it should be. And, and, and of course, like you said, that comes because we want to pick and choose what we think is right. And, and, and no, part of the thing is you just have to take whatever Jesus tells you. Although I do think it's interesting that he is the cornerstone. Because, see, there's a ditch on the other side, isn't there, where we can just make it about the Bible and forget that, no, the Bible is the gospel. That's what it's all about. It's about proclaiming the forgiveness of sins that is ours in Jesus Christ. Uh, um in fact, he, he says this in verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you. And the word preached there in the Greek is actually euangelion, which means to proclaim good news. So if right. the only reason you're using your prophets and apostles is so you can come up with a bunch of rules to tell people how you think they ought to be living, <laughs> well, then, no, that's not it either. Uh, we have the foundation of the apostles and prophets because they are the euangelion of Jesus Christ, which we just went over in detail and grace and kindness and mercy and all of that. But man, we're such sinners, aren't we? Aren't we, Pastor Boo? Yeah. We just, if we don't get in one ditch, we're going to drive into another ditch. <laughs> and, and here in Minnesota, where the roads are slippery, that's easy to do. <laughs> oh, my goodness, it is. It is. God well, keep we us from that. As we come to the conclusion, I, I do want to bring up this very last verse one more time because yeah. I think it addresses what you're saying. And and maybe I'm misreading it, so please feel free to re redirect me. But he says, in him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for the Lord. If we head over to 1 Peter, we have that same idea that it's something that's going on now but is in progress. First uh, Peter says, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. For me, that kind of gives the sense that we shouldn't expect perfection right out of the gate. You know, as soon as the as soon as you get the towel off at baptism, you don't emerge this perfect human being. But it is literally a journey of faith, one by which we don't have to worry because we're saved by Christ's sacrifice, but one that we continue to grow. We are being built together, which means, yeah. We're going to make some mistakes, but we have to have grace with each other. Yeah, and 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 that's that's the thing. It's not like we're there yet, and yet at the same time we are, aren't we? I mean, there's nothing that we need to do. That's what we just got through saying. It's all been taken care of. Everything we need for our salvation and forgiveness and eternal life, that's all been done in Jesus Christ. But here, now, in the present, yeah, no, I bet there are people listening to us right now that are on the outs with somebody in their church probably have some problems with them, some concerns. Well, I hope that they've listened to this and realized, well, don't sit on your butt then. You better get up and start doing something about that. You better seek reconciliation with this person. There shouldn't be hostility amongst people in the church. 
And, and the best way you can do that is by confessing your own sins and have a readiness to forgive whatever failures they have. Uh, but you're right. It's a matter of being built in it. Mm-hmm. It's going on all the time. And, and God grant that it never stops uh, in this world where we are dead in sin and trespasses. And yet we have the kindness and forgiveness of God. Well, brother, that's where we're going to have to leave it today, but I think it's a good place to leave it. Folks, I'd like to thank my guest this morning, the Reverend John Lekomsky. He's a pastor emeritus and also co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on KFUO. You can find him and his co-host, Pastor Matt Clark, on Saturdays at 9 a.m. Central Time. Brother, thanks for being on the show again. Thank you. Thank you. Look forward to talking to you soon. Now, tomorrow when we return, the Reverend Dr. Curtis Dieterding joins us as we move into Ephesians 3. There, Paul explains the mystery of the gospel that, through Jesus Christ, Gentiles are fellow heirs with the Jews, members of the same body, partakers of the same promise. So he's going to continue this line of thought into the next chapter. Until then, may God's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray, Father, keep us in thy strong word.